0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Maybe you're having trouble sleeping, difficulty with the relationship, or just suffering from low self-esteem. If so, then BetterHelp wants to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You get to talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network, and they give you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Join the 2 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And there's a special offer to Nowhere to be Found listeners. You'll get 10% off of your first month, but only if you go through the link or type in betterhelp.com slash n-t-b-f for Nowhere to be Found. That's better, h-e-l-p dot com slash n-t-b-f. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. And you can find the link in our show notes and on our website, NowhereToBeFoundPodcast.com. I'm your host, Amanda Popino, and this is Nowhere To Be Found. think in all the cases I've worked so far, Shane's case has been the most difficult to nail down a timeline. That's true for a number of reasons, but the main one seems to be conflicting and changing stories. When I first spoke with Shane's family, they presented four people who were the last to see Shane on November 2nd. That was his wife, Crystal, his best friend, Justin, and two other guys, Ray and Eric, who we weren't really sure how they fit in. I came to learn very early on in this case that drugs play a pretty big role here. I've said it many times that just because you're involved with drugs does not mean you should go missing, or that we on the outside should treat it with any less importance than a case without drugs. But what it does do is make the stories you're hearing a lot less credible, because when you're under the influence, recall can be tricky. Mackenzie Bridge is a very tight-knit community, and it's one of those towns where everybody knows everybody's business. This community is especially close because in 2020, they were devastated by a wildfire and many of them lost their homes and businesses, including Shane, Crystal, Justin, and Ray. Some people that I spoke with that were close to Shane and his friends didn't want to be named, which I completely respect, so I'll refer to them as my undisclosed sources. Like I said, the timeline for the day Shane went missing and the days directly following is extremely strange and difficult to follow, but I'm going to do my best to break it down. I tried to reach out to Crystal, Justin, Ray, and Eric early on to allow them to give their own firsthand account if they wanted to, but Crystal and Justin declined more on those interactions later, and Eric and Ray I never heard back from, so I have to work with what I have. The family's done a great job of documenting what they've learned along the way, and this timeline was put together based on a collection of statements from Crystal, Justin, Ray, and Detective Russ Olson and Greg Jones, along with a few others in the beginning days of Shane being missing. The family did a lot of research. They got phone numbers and started calling and texting people looking for answers. So included in this timeline is any time the family got a text from someone that gave details to the events of Shane's disappearance. So here it goes. Tuesday, November 2nd. According to Crystal, when Shane leaves for work, he gives her a kiss and says see you at lunch. The last time we can prove Shane's location is at his job site. The cameras show him working from 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. I spoke with a property owner personally, and he confirmed this. Shane left his tools out and plugged in at the job site, which I think it would be safe to say that means he was planning on coming back. 10 a.m., Shane gets home. Justin says he was in the trailer talking with Crystal, and Shane enters the trailer. And already there, it starts to conflict, because Crystal says that's not true, and she never saw Shane when he came home at 10 a.m., But then there's a text from Crystal to her stepmom, stamped 1013 a.m. November 2nd. And she says something like, Shane's home, gotta go. So we'll take that for what it is. So Shane gets home and Justin says Shane's pissed because a man named Eric is there and he's sleeping on the floor. A little background on Eric, he and his wife were good friends of Crystal's. When Crystal and Shane separated in the past, Crystal would go stay at their house till things settled down. Rumors are flying that there may even be a romantic connection between Crystal and Eric, but I can't prove that. Anyway, the story is Eric and his wife were having trouble and Eric was staying at the Harbit Country Inn down the road from Shane and Crystal's and then occasionally crashing with them and possibly sleeping on the floor. According to the detective, when he questioned Eric, he said he was in the area, but didn't specify if he was at the property that day. And then according to a text from Eric himself, he tells Shane's mom he was not there when Shane got home. So more confliction. Now, Ray says he was at the property before Shane. He ended up smoking a joint with him and then left before Shane did. Justin says Ray followed Shane into the driveway and that Shane left before Ray. Ray says he went to the property to drop off drugs. He gives an envelope to Shane, smokes a joint with him, and then leaves. He says he never saw Justin. Detective Jones says Ray and Justin reported that while at the property, Shane sees the plumber's van pass by from the road, and Shane says he has to get back to work and leaves. And I can confirm that one of Shane's responsibilities that day was to let a plumber into the house that he was working at because the homeowners were actually out of town. And that's who I got this information from. Justin says Ray brought a large amount of drugs, enough to kill him, enough that he could be high for weeks, enough that he's pissed off at Ray. He sees Shane give Ray $100. So that was a lot, but basically Shane leaves at 9.30, gets home around 10, picks up an envelope with possibly up to 7 grams of methamphetamine, which is a lot. From there, it's pretty unclear. Justin and Ray Ray say Shane left to go back to work, but we know he never makes it there. So the afternoon of November 2nd, Justin says he works for a guy named Mike to install a washer and dryer. More on this later, but this was confirmed, that he was with Mike till about 11 p.m. Crystal says she was home alone all day. Ray says he was going to go up to Cougar Dam for the rest of the day and look for Blue Quartz Rocks. And we have no idea where or what Eric was doing, but in a text, Eric says... Quote, the last time I saw him, Shane, was October 27th. I was invited to spend the night, and I did. The three of us, Eric, Shane, and Crystal, had dinner, watched movies, and went to sleep. They were happy as two bugs in a rug. The evening of November 2nd, Justin says he got home from working with Mike around 11 or 11.30. He remembers thinking it was weird that all three vehicles are gone. That's Crystal's, Shane's, and Eric's, all gone at 11 o'clock. Here's where it starts to get really tricky. So Wednesday, November 3rd, there are several texts and a couple phone calls between Shane and Crystal's phone between 4 and 6 a.m. 4 a.m., according to Crystal, Shane calls her saying he's lost his keys and he would be drilling out the ignition in his truck and then he would be home. Shane texted Crystal saying he's on Mill Creek Road, where they've picked mushrooms and saw the bear. Crystal says, you've wasted my time looking for you. Find your own way out. Shane says, I'm sorry for wasting your time. Crystal says, Ray's coming with food, water, medical supplies. Get to the main road. So then Crystal says she goes searching for Shane at 4 a.m., which is the time of these text messages. Russ, the detective, said she only made it one mile up the National Forest Road 1501 because there was a logging crew that had equipment in the way, and they made her turn around. Police actually talked to the logging crew, who report that they saw Crystal, Shane, and one other male in the car around 4.45 a.m., They're not able to get the video from the logging crew because too much time had passed since the police were notified. The loggers apparently were able to pick out Shane and Crystal with a photo lineup. The police question Crystal about this. She gets upset and says that the loggers are lying. Sometime around 9 a.m. that Wednesday morning, Crystal told Ray that Shane was missing At 9.46 a.m., a a ping from Shane's phone puts him on Mill Creek Road, which is exactly where he said he was in those text messages to Crystal. So sometime after 9.46, Ray goes to search for Shane, and he doesn't find anything despite looking for five hours. And this is according to Crystal. Ray brought medical supplies and food and water and a spare set of keys for Shane's truck. So Wednesday afternoon, Justin's working with a friend from noon to 4 p.m. And in the evening, Justin texts Shane and doesn't get any response. Justin and a friend go looking for Shane that afternoon. Shane's phone is on and has power all day Wednesday. So Thursday, November 4th, the last ping from Shane's phone is at 6.45 a.m. near his old property. Shane's phone is confirmed to have either had a dead battery or been turned off by 11 a.m. Around 11 a.m., Justin, Crystal, Ray, and Ray's friend go out looking for Shane. Justin, Crystal, and Ray find Shane's truck. Justin leaves a map in the truck with a handwritten note that says something like, Here's a map in case you're lost. We're looking for you. I took the tools out of the back so they don't get rained on. Friday, November 5th, a friend files the missing person report on chain with the police. Police find the truck with a drilled-out ignition, and they also find on the floorboard of the truck mushrooms. The family has been told that it was the drug type, fresh, not in a bag, but on the floorboard of the truck. The truck was a half a mile off of a logging road 1501 at approximately 230 Spur Road. It's only three and a half miles through the woods from his truck to his old property that burned down. Saturday, November 6th is when Justin informed Shane's mom that he'd been missing since Tuesday. The family flies to Oregon on Monday. So a couple things that I want to talk about from the timeline. One of them is the drilled ignition. So Crystal told police that she was upset that she had paid $20,000 for the truck and that he drilled out the ignition. And for anyone who doesn't know, to drill out an ignition, since he lost his keys, um, I guess you can do that to older trucks, and it makes it so that you can turn the truck on using a screwdriver, if you know how to do that. So I guess he's he's done this before, but um, according to Justin, Shane had drilled the ignition on his previous truck, which was an older truck, and it didn't end up working on the truck that he was driving the day he went missing because that truck was actually newer and it had a computer system in it and you can't drill out those types of trucks. You can only do it to the older ones. So basically he did it for nothing because it didn't work. So Crystal was upset about that. Um, An outside source says that Crystal told them Shane's text said he lost his keys and he's drilling out his ignition and he would be home, which is basically the same that the detective said, but um, a couple other miscellaneous things that came up throughout the timeline. The police have downloaded Crystal, Justin, and Ray's cell phone data. Eric was willing to show the text between him and Shane, but none of the other information on his phone and the police would need a warrant to get any further info um, from his phone. There was a sweatshirt at some point found uh uphill by his old property and they are waiting to get video from a local store that he may have stopped in to confirm if Shane was wearing that when he went missing. Crystal told police that Shane and Justin were not getting along. Crystal also showed the police Shane's banking information, and Shane has about $30,000 in his account, which makes sense because we know that he was about to break ground on his new property. According to Justin, Crystal says... Quote, shit's about to go down before Shane comes home for lunch. If you're anything like me, that was almost impossible to follow. It's clear to me after reading through a few times that we're missing some pretty big pieces of the puzzle. What it boils down to for me is Justin and Ray agree Shane comes home around 10 a.m. ish. And Crystal has a text stamped 1013 that says Shane's home. Gotta go or something along those lines. And there's a screenshot to prove that. So in my mind, it's pretty likely that Shane did arrive at his home around 10 a.m. on Tuesday. But from there, it's all conflicting information. I'll continue to dive into the details in the next few episodes. The next person I reached out to was Stacy, another one of Shane's sisters. And she was able to fill me in on the trip they took to Oregon back in May. Hi,
1: um, my name is Stacey Springer. I am Shane's older sister. One sister out of four.
0: Yes, and he's got two older and two younger. So where do you fall? I am uh the second oldest. Second around, oldest,
1: right above Shane.
0: Oh, okay, okay. And then Misty is right above you?
1: Misty is right below Shane.
0: Right below, Okay, so you guys are the sandwich. Yeah,
1: okay. yeah.
0: So, um, you know, you guys are from Minnesota. I know you guys are kind of trying to work work on this from afar, which is extremely difficult working on it from, you know, the location is hard enough. So you guys are definitely, uh, dealing with some challenges there, but, um, let's kind of go back. Like what, what was Shane like, you know, living in Minnesota and growing up, what was his personality like and what was your relationship like with him?
1: Um, we grew up on a farm in a small town, Minnesota. My dad was a farmer. Um, so we spent a lot of time outdoors, um, Shane was often asked to help my dad with the farm work. Um, And when he wasn't doing that, it was just playing outside. We, you know, had swing sets and balls and bikes and go-karts and four-wheelers and stuff like that. And a lot of times it was me out there because I was kind of a tomboyish kid. And um, so we played a lot outside.
0: Oh, that's um, fun. That sounds great. I would love that. I'm I was a super tomboy too, so yeah, I would have been out there in the dirt for sure.
1: <laughs> and we didn't get to town often or to go see friends very often because we lived maybe 10 miles from home and or I'm sorry, 10 miles from town and then um and my dad and mom were always busy farming and stuff. So the our playmates were each other mm-hmm. um, and then occasionally cousins that would come over and um hang out with us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's the nearest like big town to where you guys are at or were at?
1: Um, The biggest town was Winthrop, which was not a big town at all. Or the the closest town was Winthrop, which I, if I remember correctly, there was about
0: 1500. Oh, wow. That's tiny.
1: In my class, there was nine kids in the entire class. (laughs)
0: Okay, so that really gives you a good idea,
1: which is funny. The next biggest town was Hutchinson, where we moved to when our parents got divorced. Um, Mm -hmm. I was 13 at the time, so Shane would have been about 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Um, So we moved to Hutchinson, which has between 10 and 15,000. So it was a lot uh, bigger.
0: But in the grand scheme, still a very small town. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, and that's kind of interesting, because then Shane ends up moving, you know, out to Oregon, but to another extremely small town. Like, I'm from Eugene, which is, you know, it's bigger. It's it's one of America's biggest cities, I guess. It's 180,000, but I still kind of consider it a small town in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. because now, you know, I, I'm from Los Angeles area, so... Nothing can really compare to that area. So Eugene was like a small town. And then to go from Eugene to Blue River or McKenzie Bridge out where Shane was, I mean, I don't think people really know the type of small town we're talking. Like blink and you'll miss it. It's it's so small. You can drive through it in three minutes.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Those towns are tiny. Yes. And I hadn't been out there for uh, maybe like, seven or eight years was the last time I was out there. So we went just this last week and I was just reminded of how small it really is. You know, the one gas station Yes. in a 40 mile. Yes.
0: So (laughs) you better hit that gas station because you are not, you're going to drive all the way to Bend.
1: And it wasn't just a gas station. It was a gas station and a liquor store and a hardware store, all, you know,
0: and that's where like you run into people Uh when there's a town spot like that. Like those people know everything. People who work in stores like that, like they know everything. Those are great people to talk to because it's not like there's a lot of other options to get your milk and stuff. So people come and go and they, yeah, they're like the eyes and ears of a town for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, okay. So you guys, uh, kind of a big group of you decided to go out and look for Shane or kind of just get some answers, right?
1: Yeah, we were hoping to get some information and some answers to things that happened from the investigators, possibly from the people involved. Um, mm-hmm. Also, just to kind of see the area, um, Misty and my mom and my sister Jody went out there in November when it first happened, but the rest of us hadn't seen it yet. So I guess when we went out there last week, it was we kind of went out with a new perspective than, you know, than when we were there seven years ago,
0: ten years ago, right? Um, just and so it, did you feel like, you know, just seeing it in person? There's it was more overwhelming or kind of easier to get a handle on things.
1: Um, for me, it was probably a little bit more overwhelming just because we went up into these remote areas, like where his truck was found, and um, up by one of the reservoirs, and it, the. Trees and the everything is so thick, and the underbrush, it seems like, and then the, the holes with the fire. So it seems like you know it would take forever to walk 10, 10 feet in that forest. So it was right kind of eye opening, too.
0: Definitely. Search and rescue, I mean, they really have their work cut out for them in areas like that. I mean, Oregon gets so much rain that, as you can imagine, like the wildlife and the plant life is plentiful. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and it can be really difficult, like you said, just to walk ten feet in a straight line once you get into, you know, these rural areas, especially the spot that Shane's truck was found out on these logging roads. These are places that people often do like hunting and like mushroom picking, which is something that came up. Um but this is uh definitely, you know, you need gear. You're not just going to be walking in there and you're like mesh Nikes and you'll be soaked and it'll be impossible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I kind of also spoke with Parrish Bryson who I think is a great, um, resource for, for you guys and for me, but, um, just because Parrish has a son who also went missing in a pretty nearby area to where Mm -hmm. Shane went missing. And their stories have some overlap, um, some, you know, conflicting stories of people who were involved, some drug use, some, you know, just crazy timelines that don't make sense. So if anybody in the world really was going to understand where you guys were mentally, I felt like Parrish was the guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he... Yeah, he's a great organizer of information like Misty. He's got, you know, binders on binders. So I think it was great that you guys could kind of team up with him. What what um, what kind of came of that? What did you guys do with him?
1: Uh, well, we met with him, I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday morning before we went to see the investigators. Um, and he kind of went, gave us an overview of his own son's case, and, um, and then kind of went over some things that he had noticed about Shane's case mm-hmm. that uh, may come up with the investigators and then he also filled us in on his nonprofit organization which is just starting and and uh, some of the things that are that he's now lined up like a search dog team and underwater drones and you got a um, like a donated RV type camper so he can go stay at these places where he's out searching. So that was really hopeful and um, encouraging.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um,
1: And then he came to the meeting with the investigators with us as well. He's got his thick binder on Shane as well as his own um, son. Um, But he's, yeah, he's noticed things that we may have overlooked like some timelines and uh, also helped, asking questions and so he was really helpful and inspiring
0: yeah that's great I'm glad that you guys can make that connection and um, yeah I kind of also went through the timeline with him Um, and the timeline's tough Shane's timeline is really tough I think one of the hardest parts about it besides that um, it's changing (laughs) and people's stories keep changing and that's difficult Especially if you didn't like document it, which you guys did, you documented like what was first said by, you know, three or four people. And then later, if it changed, you could go back and say, is now saying blah, blah, blah. So you kind of had the documentation of the changing story as well, Mm -hmm. but it definitely makes it hard to track, um, you know, those couple days that he went missing and the days after that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that we heard this time that we didn't hear last time, or a couple things that stuck out in my mind was uh, the mushroom hunting story. I had asked um, them where the mushroom hunting story came from, and they said, no, he, the story wasn't he that he was out mushroom hunting, but that he was in one of his favorite mushroom hunting spots. So that kind of came out right in the beginning that he was out mushroom hunting, which um, apparently Was never told to them. Oh, and um, um, we were told on this trip when we met with them that Shane, it was told by two of the people that were at his property that Shane saw the contractor's truck drive by um, while he was home at 10 o'clock in the morning and said, Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go meet that contractor. Mm -hmm. Um, And we hadn't heard that before. So I was curious if that was something new or if that's something one of the stories that was there from the beginning you know it's hard cuz these cho- stories keep changing all the time so it's hard right. to right
0: right i thought that was interesting too because it's a very specific thing so i mean kind of going back shane okay so you know we have basically two two or three stories we have crystal justin and ray ray who are all there they all kind of put this this story together they kind of intertwine in some ways they also conflict in some ways but according to a combination of the three of them shane comes home at 10 o'clock um for lunch is outside with justin for a little bit talking and then justin says that shane sees the comfort flow truck driving by Mm -hmm. um from the highway that he sees it from his property and he's like oh no um I that comfort flow truck is for me. That's supposed to, I'm supposed to be meeting them at my job site. I got to go. Right. So he takes off according to Justin. And then when you guys went back and called comfort flow to see, was that true? Did that truck drive by at 10 o'clock or 10 30, even what did they tell you? Um,
1: I don't, I I'm not sure if Misty has called comfort flow. I know she called the, um, or asked the investigator what time Comfort Flow was working at the job site. Um, And they said it was around 10 o'clock.
0: Oh, okay. So that was different than what Parrish had said, that they had a 2.30 appointment and that the guy showed up at 2.30.
1: And I don't know if Misty ever called Comfort Flow or
0: not. I think she did. I think Parrish was saying, unless it was Parrish that called them, but I don't think that would be the case. I think he was saying that, i assumed it was misty called and um they said that they were at the job site that that we know of that shane was working at um but at 2:30 and that he waited for 15 minutes and nobody showed up but he figured out that the gate was actually dummy locked and he let himself in and did the job and left oh so what i would still haven't gotten though and i'm i'm working on it is contacting the um owner of the house that Shane was working at to see if that could be confirmed. Like, do you have cameras? Is there I, I think there are cameras, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does um, have cameras. He does. Okay. So yeah, if they could tell us that, like, was it really 230? Because that's a very specific thing then to lie about, right? Yes. That's That's not just Oh, you know, he had to go that that's a completely fabricated sentence that came out that has a specific, you know, it's, it's more concrete.
1: Mm-hmm, hmm And I guess it was Justin and Ray-Ray that both said that. Okay. Um, so, oh, that's in, that's really interesting because I was really curious about that. Yeah. Misty did ask the homeowner that same day, and he he said oh, he didn't really respond. He just said that they have all that information already. So um,
0: yeah, I've had a hard time getting in contact. I mean, I've contacted him, but it's been difficult to um... – get anywhere on that front, which is fine. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. totally people's prerogative. But um, for me, you know, just trying to piece it together any little bit that we can get from other people who are willing to talk helps put, you know, put the puzzle together. So Mm -hmm. just reaching out to as many people as we possibly can. And it's been interesting. Um, I actually have been able to talk to quite a few people who live nearby and such since it's such a small town everybody knows everybody's business which is both good and bad
2: <laughs> yeah
0: mm-hmm. um it's it's a lot it's a lot especially I, I felt like for you guys it would be very um overwhelming to have all these people who know the ins and outs of Shane's life maybe better even than you guys did from afar mm-hmm. and trying to figure out who to trust and who not to trust and it's it's yeah, tricky it's-
1: It's pretty um, clear too by the people that we've talked we talked to when we were out there. We had a one night we had invited the community to come and share a drink with us at um, the pizza restaurant uh, close by, Uh, and some people came and told us some really great stories about Shane, and it was nice to hear. But the overwhelming consensus is that the group of people that he hung with were kind of the. I don't know how to say it, but you know the the drug crowd or the what's a good word for that? I don't know.
0: I, I think yeah, I have been hearing that as well. Um, he's he's in with a group that doesn't have a great reputation. Um, yeah. they though I will say, um, the community as a whole, I've heard many people say, you know, yes. Shane specifically, some of these people in the group, not, not so much, but Shane, yeah, maybe he had, you know, he had his issues, but he was still very well liked in the community and people were still, you know, wanted them, wanted him to work for them. He's still getting jobs, like construction jobs in the community. And he's still very much a part of that community, um, running into people in the grocery store. He's very friendly. He, you know, talks with a lot of different people. I've, I've talked to people who, you know, were living like you know not quite neighbors but close to neighbors and then people who only ever really ran into him like at that store that we were talking about where you just kind of the hub of the city and everybody has really nice things to say about him in more of like a just we're really concerned um there's been multiple people that have said you know we don't like how the other people involved have been behaving since then and the community has kind of shut them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a frustration with law enforcement that, that sometimes when drugs are involved, um, cases don't get the attention that they would if there weren't drugs involved. Right. And that's very difficult. Um, I think that's something that parish certainly could talk about, but um for me, it doesn't really play a factor as far as you know the intensity that we would look for somebody or the depth that we would go to look for somebody like if they were part of that lifestyle or that was something that they were dealing with that's not um, a reason that they're that they should be missing <laughs> just because you do drugs doesn't mean that you should be missing yeah exactly. so it's yes, that's a really tricky part. It also makes people not want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know, for me to be reaching out to these people, a lot of people are very hesitant to talk to me because of that aspect of it. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so going back to the timeline, though, we can kind of pick it apart a little bit in ways like that. So things that are concrete, like, okay, comfort flow drives by at 1030. No, they did not. hmm. So then from there, Shane leaves. We know that his truck was found on a logging road. That This is the part that starts to get really confusing for me, is the whole um, Shane lost his keys bit. Mm -hmm. So according to Crystal, Shane's wife, he lost his keys while he was out there. We don't know what he was doing out there. Maybe mushroom hunting was the original story. Maybe not. I, I don't know. But he's out there, he loses his keys, and her reaction, instead of, like, if my husband lost his keys and texts me, I would say, I will come get you. Right. I will bring you the keys. I will not leave you out there. That's not an option. Um, I, I will figure out a way to come get you. Tell me where you are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Her reaction was um, very hostile very, um, you're wasting my time looking for you. I'm sending Ray with food and water and a map. Yeah. That part to me is just like, almost laughable. I don't even understand how that could be your plan. Why would you bring him a map? If he's lost his keys, he's not lost. He lost his keys. (laughs) I don't, I, I'm, if it's a story that that's not true, it's a really bad story. Yeah. Yeah. Why would that be what you went with? I don't know. There's just something so wrong and so missing in that piece that it's it's frustrating. But they went up there. And that's another piece that can kind of be debunked from something concrete is that we have these logger guys that were actually working on that road at the time that Shane was up there. And they say, no, it wasn't Ray that brought Shane supplies alone, it was Crystal and Shane in the car, in the passenger seat, and a third male in the back seat that they couldn't identify that were driving in towards Shane's truck at four in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's a piece of the puzzle that just makes no sense. It has no context. There's nothing, you know, Crystal's story doesn't back that. And when she was approached with that later, she denied it and said that they were lying.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was one of the, one of the main concerns she had about talking or to, uh, to I mean, that was a concern she had about doing the uh, polygraph mm-hmm. is she was scared about what the um, loggers saw and she thought that might get her in trouble. So that's, that was back when she was talking to us. <laughs> hmm. she, she had so
0: I've had a very interesting conversation with her recently. I reached out very early on, like just put a cookie cutter text message out to a bunch of people saying like, Hey, I'm covering Shane's case. You know, I'd love to talk with you if you're willing to chat with me, you know, just kind of give me your take on what happened sort of thing. No response. I decided to try again with her though. um, After kind of piecing together what I felt like was a pretty good idea of what her life is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And to my surprise, she said, sure, I will chat with you. And I said, okay, great. Um, Thinking we were going to have like a coherent conversation, which was not true. So basically I started it with like, well, let's just go back to the beginning. Can you tell me what your relationship was like with Shane? Her response was extremely disturbing to me. She said, quote, he's probably in hell and i thought okay we are dealing with something very different than what most people would expect like this this is not um this is not a normal husband and wife relationship this is not this is not good um and she eventually in the middle of our conversation just made a complete 180 and told me that this was not crystal this is poncho And she doesn't know Shane though. A few text messages before that, I said, well, when's the last time you talked to Shane? She said yesterday. And this was this week. I mean, he's been missing for months and months and months. Nobody has talked to him. Mm -hmm. So that was shocking. So I tried to pull more saying, okay, well, you just talked to him yesterday. How did you talk to him? Well, I'm not crystal. I'm poncho. Okay. So you can't, you can't get anywhere with that. Right. Even if she were to tell us the truth, we wouldn't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no because uh, talking to her is like um it's it's not real life the reality there is not
1: no you're not on misty, the misty shared that um story with us so
0: yeah it was rough it was rough i was that's a little in the back
1: that's that's her
0: it's, it's shocking her. like who i've never talked to anybody like that before like <laughs> grown women you are a grown adult It's nuts. It's like, Oh man, we're, this is like a cartoon character. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have that front and I, I hate to like, I don't like to speculate. I have no proof that she has done anything, but I will say every single thing revolving around her story or her interactions with anybody since Shane has been missing has been very negative, Mm -hmm. very negative. Yeah. She's not in a good place. She she appears to be very very angry with Shane over something we don't know about. Um, because yeah. why you know why would you not look for him? <laughs> yeah. So that's the piece of the puzzle that I'm I'm missing is what what happened? How did you get here to this space? Right. And I don't know if we'll ever know, but no, um, I don't either. They I I
1: I was down in Texas with them back in. March and at that time the their relationship was already quite rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, she had done something. I mean, she um, had broken her foot in like three different places and refused to go get medical care because the they required a COVID test and something with the government was going to some conspiracy theory something or other. Oh, um, so Shane was prepping for some other medical procedures. So I agreed to take her to this one appointment that he searched all day for this appointment where she didn't have to do the COVID thing, Mm -hmm. putting off his own medical stuff that he was there to do to try to find her. I don't know how many days he tried to find her doctor. So anyway, he found her a doctor that night. So I brought her, got her checked in, filled out the paperwork, and then I left her there because it was quite a long wait. Went back to Shane's house. Um, and he was back at his place with my kids who were playing in the pool while he was prepping for his medical pr- procedure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And maybe an hour after I got there, she called him and said, she's leaving. She does not want to stay. Come and pick her up. And I, I'm i like, really? Really? And he was so disappointed because he worked so hard to try to find her this appointment. And then she called back and she's like, yes, I'm serious. I want to go. So he said, I'll go get her. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'll go get her. You're doing this. He was doing colonoscopy prep. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so I went to get her walk, and I didn't see her outside of the medical place. So I walked in and she wasn't there. And I asked at the front desk, where's Crystal? And, and they're like, oh, she left like 15, 20 minutes ago. She's in a wheelchair in the pouring rain. She left the medical clinic and I called them like she's not here what I called my mom and I'm like she's not here where's where is she and she, they're like I don't know so I was driving around the area and I found her like at a a closed bank underneath um like a canopy so she wasn't getting rained on but so I got her went home and and got home to Shane to Shane and Shane looks at her and goes where were you you told us to come and pick you up. And she said, I took called you and told you exactly where I was across from Burger King on the right-hand side blah, blah, And he looked at her and he said, no, you didn't call me. And he, they, he was so frustrated. And that's just how she
0: is. <laughs> yeah. So- there's something, yeah. It's, it, that <laughs> I don't even know how you could, deal with that over time. Like hats off to him. He must have the patience of a saint, but, um, yeah, that's tough. So that's that's one of our main, you know, key people in this case that we're trying to pull information from, which really just is a testament to how difficult it is to put it all together. Like Mm -hmm. this is not, um, it's not easy. And then the second half of that is Justin, um, or, Two out of three. I mean, we have Ray Ray, who is also there, and mixed reviews there as well. But for Justin, Justin is a kind of an older friend of Shane's. He's actually from Minnesota as well. You mm-hmm. know his family, right? His family mm-hmm. and your family know each other? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. And so he kind of a little bit interesting to me, though, is the age gap. So he, you know, he keeps being called Shane's best friend, Shane's best friend, Justin. And everybody in the community has confirmed that Shane and Justin are very close and Justin kind of looks up to Shane Mm -hmm. and really cares for Shane. I mean, a lot of people in the community are their Their thought is that perhaps he's not being completely honest about what he knows, but not that he himself would ever do anything to Shane. Mm -hmm. And that's probably been half a dozen people who are not super close to him, but have just, viewed the relationship from, you know, the town and doing certain jobs and stuff. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, There's a lot of people who are concerned for him um, and, you know, how this is affecting him and, you know, the path that he was on even before this, that he's just not in with a good crowd, same with Shane. And, um, but a lot of people are very sure in their friendship, at least if nothing else yeah so that's interesting, yeah um, so Justin, you know, lives on the property, and he's kind of part of this where but, according to him, you know, after Shane left at that moment, the ten o'clock, the truck drives by, which we know isn't true, but whatever, he leaves, and Justin never sees him again, and so he's kind of said to me, I don't need to come on the podcast because I have nothing, I don't know. that's all I know. He left, and I never saw him again
2: mm-hmm.
0: so. Um, but now he, you know, he's left. He's offered to do a yeah. lie detector, him and Crystal both, but they have not. And we're kind of left in this stalemate where unless somebody comes forward and says something, we can't really do anything, right? Right, right. Is that what the detective told you or is that just?
1: Yeah, they, they do have a couple other searches planned. Um, but other than that with no real, real reason just to, to search at these places. They're just going to do it. They maybe heard something down the line, but no proof or anything, you know, so they're going to go do these searches, but that's all, that's all we really have. Do you, comes forward.
0: Do you feel like there's a chance that Shane is alive and well somewhere?
1: Um, I don't think so, but. You don't. Um, I don't want to say that 100% until I know, sure. sure. Um, I, no, it's
0: hard. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the hardest part is like you want to have some hope, of course, because on the off chance that this is some fluke and he, I don't know, so I, you know, got lost or had something happen and he. I mean, there's a million slipped, hit his head, and doesn't even know where he is, or doesn't know who he is, or I don't.
1: Or I think that story. What's that story where that guy runs off to Alaska and just wants to live by himself?
0: Yeah, off the grid. That's
1: that all the time,
0: like totally. And I, in fact, like kind of diving into Shane's social media. He's not a big social media guy, but he does have some. And like that was kind of how I was able to start getting this group of friends that he has and kind of branching out and seeing who's friends with who and building this little web. But something that kind of was interesting to me was, um, in September. So he went missing in November in September. He joined a group on Facebook called, um, living off the grid. Mm -hmm. And it's all about how you can build like a homestead, grow your own food, use solar panels so that you don't have to Mm -hmm. rely on like the electricity company and basically just start your life over in the middle of nowhere, like okay. exactly like we were just saying. So not to say that that is not possible. Cause it is an inkling in my mind that he could be the type of guy that might do that.
1: Yeah. And he, he talked about wanting to live off the grid before he, at the time it was quite a few years ago, but he said him and crystal wanted to live off the grid and he loved going to Alaska. Um, Crystal's family had little cabins like deep in the woods, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, that's something that really interested him. So,
0: yeah, but something that I know um, a couple people have mentioned is that there's no way that Shane would have left without his dog. Yes. Um, In fact, I just talked to someone today and it it was made me kind of sad. She said um, she drove by Shane's old property. The dog's name is Greta Mm -hmm. and Greta was all alone out in the rain out there Mm -hmm. on his property. And I was very sad for Greta. I, thought who's taking care of her and they said crystal's taking care of her Mm -hmm. but i guess crystal's kind of known as like the dog lady like that's something that she does for other people and apparently she's really good to dogs so yeah how
1: many dogs does she have she has i think she herself has four dogs three or four they're her beloved dogs and she doesn't do anything without her dogs like a couple times Shane came back to Minnesota and she wouldn't go because she didn't want to leave her dogs Hmm. so she's a dog person but I do know my mom had mentioned that she was very pissed off when Shane got his dog Greta Um, and I don't know why because she's such a dog person but yeah Greta's there with her and all
0: her dogs. Well, she said that Greta was on the old property. The which old. oh they're not on the old property, right? They're on the new property. And there were no other dogs there with Greta. She was alone.
1: Was Greta tied up to something or?
0: I'm not sure. She just <laughs> said she was alone in the rain. And I was like, Oh, what? Oh my god. Should we get somebody to like adopt her or like I mean, I could reach out. I have people in Eugene and even in Bend. Like, if she's not taking care of her, let's do something no. about that because no. I feel sad.
1: We would take Greta here in a heartbeat.
0: You would? Oh, okay. oh my so gosh. Look, okay, I'll reach back out to her and see if she can go by and see if she's still there and if she's tied up to something.
1: And if it really was the old property because there's no
0: fencing or anything. Oh really? Okay. So Mm -hmm. she would just be be the type that would just stay there though. Like, is she pretty good? And that's probably just waiting for Shane. (laughs) She's just hanging out. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I'll reach out. We'll find out about that because that is something that we could do for sure. Um, either figuring out how to get her to you guys or even have her in a foster situation until we can figure out something more permanent because- I know Shane would definitely want her to be taken um, care of.
1: Yeah, she was outside when we stopped by the new place um, to try to talk to Crystal. Greta was mm-hmm. outside as well.
0: Um, what kind of dog is she?
1: Uh, she's a Rottweiler. Okay, um, hmm. and she's she's um, not she's the submissive one in the group, you know, because Crystal had her dogs first, so they're the dominant. Yeah. So, the big old Rottweiler is really submissive and shy. She's really sweet and nice. <laughs> and she stayed at the fence with us while we were there. And the other dogs went in with Crystal. So I don't I, I don't know what happened after we left either if she brought them,
0: Were you able to talk to her while you were there at all?
1: No. She told us to get the F off her property.
0: Okay. Is it her property?
1: Well, it's both her and my brother's.
0: It is. It's in both of their names. Yeah, yeah. What about the old property that burned down? Whose name is that in?
1: That is in my brother's name. Alone. Yeah, yeah.
0: Any? um, I've heard some rumors that Crystal is possibly trying to buy that property, Shane's old property. Is that true?
1: I heard that too. Um, I don't know if it was Ray Ray or Eric. It was Eric. Eric. So I heard that from one of my family members that her and Eric were trying to buy Shane's, I don't know how she, they're trying to get that property from Shane so that they could build on it. Um, to I think together. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little yeah. bit confused. On yeah, that
0: one. That's, that's what I heard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so
1: that, yeah, the old property burnt down to the ground. So my mom actually um, lent him, Shane the money to buy the new property Mm -hmm. um and i don't know i heard little rumors but i don't know if this is true but crystal insisted on being on the title with him Mm
2: -hmm. on the new
1: property um and then when they sold the old one he was gonna pay my mom back but um when we were out at the fence trying to get to talk to her she was screaming out the window to tell us to leave. (laughs) And my niece said, but grandma brought the grandma bought this property or something. And she said, yeah, we'll see about that. So she
0: has she been questioned? I mean, did she actually have to go in for questioning at some point?
1: She did not go in for any official questioning. I know the detective came out to her place one time and talked to her outside at the picnic table that's outside. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe one other time, but I don't know. I think that was more casual. Okay. Um, now that she has a criminal defense attorney, they are um they say they can't really talk to her at all. Okay. Um, so I think they've kind of stopped attempting getting answers yeah. or
0: questioning her. Yeah. That's interesting. That makes it tough.
1: strange because if you commit a crime and you get a lawyer, that that doesn't mean you can't. Right. You still have to talk. Yeah.
0: yeah. I I don't know what they're waiting for then. Like at what point do they have enough to say, now you have to come in and at least be questioned. Maybe we're not going to arrest you. We don't have any proof that you did anything wrong, but you certainly have to come in and tell us what happened. Mm -hmm. You don't just get to say like, I'm not going to tell you. And yeah. there's nothing you can do about it because I have a lawyer. Yeah. Like, well, all right. Well, you can bring your lawyer down with you, I guess, when you answer your questions. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, That's how I feel. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm missing something because law enforcement knows the ins and outs of what they are and aren't allowed to do. But um, it's definitely a community feel that uh, there's not enough going on in that department. Mm -hmm. not enough questions being answered or being held accountable for not answering questions or just flat lying.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, yeah, I think
1: the response we we get on that a lot of times is, well, you can't be arrested for lying or right. And and it seems like some of the lies that you would think you, would if you were law enforcement, you'd want to dig in deeper, get more answers, but they kind of blow it off and go, Oh, that was just, maybe they were on drug, you know, that was drug talk. Or There's anything.
0: another thing you can bring somebody in for. <laughs> like if anything that should just aid <laughs> you in being able to say that this person's doing something wrong, fine. Maybe we're not bringing you in on charges for shame. Now we're bringing you in for possession of who knows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like that would be the route, but a clear. I mean, I have no doubt that they know more than we know. I, I, Assume, you know, as they're investigating this, there's things they don't tell people, even the family, because mm-hmm. it's an open investigation and it can get leaked or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I just have to assume and have hope that they're putting a case together based on the facts that they have found. And it just turns out that, you know, the law enforcement timeline is is a lot longer than we would all like it to be.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah,
0: that's, that's the tough part.
1: It is a long time.
0: It is. So we will, you know, we'll have to just see on that, but I for sure am going to continue to reach out to people. I think just kind of piecing it together slowly from all different sides of it um, can only really help show us the full picture. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys have been doing the same. So I think if, you know, enough of us can do that, maybe we will see it a little clearer. I don't know, Yeah, or it's going to take somebody coming forward to say something, which there's ways to do it anonymously. Like if you do know something, you, you can reach out to the family, you can reach out to law enforcement, you can leave an anonymous tip, there's crime stoppers, like there's all kinds of ways to do it. So there's mm-hmm. no reason to not come forward and say something if you know something, mm-hmm. being afraid of, you know, maybe somebody involved or having it backlash isn't a good thing excuse, because it can be avoided. Right. Yeah. So that's what I really feel like we have to push the community to do is like, I know that this is a small enough town that there's rumors out there that you guys are not coming forward with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the part we need help with.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So we'll see this gains and, you know, hopefully getting this out there and then you guys being there and kind of getting the Facebook group involved, there'll be enough people to keep his name front and center that it'll it'll start to shake out yeah hopefully that is my hope Soon, too yeah yeah all right well that yeah that kind of helps fill in some of the details um i is there anyone else you can think of that i should reach out to that may be able to add something
1: not that i know of and misty, misty probably gave you the list of
0: yeah I have the contact list, and I reached out to pretty much everybody who was in that first search group mm-hmm. which is an interesting group, I will say yeah uh, um a lot of a lot of um
1: <laughs> yeah I don't even know who was I know a couple of people that were in that group, and that tells me
0: <laughs> I it's, know. It's, yeah, but also some really good people too um yeah. and there's some there is some um, people who really do want to help and they know the situation and they are saddened by it. And I think they have very similar thoughts that you and I do about what may or may not have happened. And, um, yeah, I think there's enough suspicion and, uh, speculation slash rumors going around that there, this isn't going to last forever.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hope so. We just really am want some answers
0: yes i really want some answers for you guys too so we will just keep trudging on and see what we can do yeah yeah all right well thank you so much for doing this
1: yeah thank you very much for your work on this it's really appreciated
0: you are so welcome um and i'll keep in touch and you know we'll just kind of keep filling each other in on what we learn okay yeah sounds good all right. Well, you have a great rest of your day.
1: Okay. Thank you.
0: Nice to you. Right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Talking to the family is so valuable when it comes to getting to know someone's background and the efforts going into searching for someone. But in this case, Shane's family lives so far away from him, it makes more sense to me to try and speak with people who see Shane regularly and know his day-to-day habits. Mackenzie Bridge is so small, it didn't take me long to figure out who knows who and who I should contact. So on the next episode, we're going to start to unpack all the details I learned from the upriver locals. We've been asked how our listeners can contribute to the show, so we set up an account with Patreon. Check out the link in our show notes if you're interested in supporting our cause. You can also find it on our website, nowheretobefoundpodcast dot com.